0: are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. We come, we cry, we watch, we wait, we look, we long for you, O oh God. Advent has uh, long been one of my favorite seasons. I remember feeling quite excited when blue was either introduced or reintroduced as a liturgical color for this season, differentiating Advent, the four Sundays of Advent, differentiating them color-wise from the Lenten purple. It's a season that holds budding expectation, building week after week, candle after candle. It's one of the times when I miss being in the parish, being a congregational minister. Though as I remember accurately back to those years, there was the ever-present tension between how we're supposed to mark our Advent nights and days And the pressure outside, the pressure from all that is happening outside the church walls to rush into celebrating Christmas almost immediately, almost after we pass the midway point in November. Advent has long been one of my favorite seasons of the church year. And yet this year, I'm feeling, well, something that might well be described as Advent hesitancy. I know that Advent is coming. The salt of the earth Christian season's calendar can't be wrong. Advent is here. And I know that Advent is recommended and good, maybe even safe. But for me to be inoculated with the Advent vaccine, complete with not one but four doses, I'm not sure I'm ready to jump on board this Advent train. Frederick Buechner marvelously captures the gift and the promise of this season. He writes, the house lights go off, the footlights come on. Even the chattiest stop chattering as they wait for the curtains to rise. In the orchestra pit, the violin bowls are poised. The conductor has raised her baton. In the silence of a midwinter dusk, there is far off in the deeps of it somewhere a sound so faint that for all you can tell, it may only be the sound of silence itself. You hold your breath to listen. You walk up the steps to the front door, the empty windows at either side of it tell you nothing or almost nothing. For a second you catch a whiff in the air of some fragrance that reminds you of a place that you've never been and a time you have no words for. You are aware of the beating of your heart. The extraordinary thing that is about to happen is matched only by the extraordinary event before it happens. Advent is the name of that moment. The Salvation Army Santa Claus clangs his bell everybody is as bundled up against any sense of what all the fuss is really about as they are bundled up against the windchill factor but if you concentrate just for an instant for all its madness and lostness not to mention your own you can hear the world itself holding its breath A beautiful portrayal of what this season can and is, can be and is. And yet for reasons existential and otherwise, I find myself surprisingly and disturbingly even not sure I want to jump on board. I'm not sure I'm going to make my appointment for the first dose or the second or the third or the first dose. Tonight's Gospel reading doesn't help. Phillips Brooks' uh, beloved Christmas Carol announces the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight and given any of the constant news reports flashing across our screens, those news reports and this tonight's Gospel reading highlight the fears of all the years. And we carry those with us to this night. How could we not? And it's to and with this Advent hesitancy that I hear Winnipeg born Oprah endorsed and Duke University scholar Kate Bowler in uh, no cure for being human and other truths I long to hear. I hear her describe her release from hospital after being diagnosed with stage four cancer. I did not realize how much I wanted a blueprint for how to live until the day I was released. I was elated to be leaving the hospital right up until the nurse pushed my wheelchair through the doors, and fear hit me with that first blast of fresh air. As my husband tossed my bags into the trunk and my dad was adjusting the front seat to give me more legroom, I expressed almost silently, softly, how will i know if i'm doing it right doing what right and kate admits i am suddenly embarrassed by the answer how will any of us know that we are doing this right Each of us in our own particular and unique ways in the world for which the Bethlehem baby would one day be crucified and died, each of us is longing, if not for inoculation, at least the assurance that we will have this, we will get this right, that we've got this, that all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well. Kate's experience uh, connects with my experience 20 years ago this month accompanying my partner Ingrid to a post-op appointment after removal of a pituitary brain tumor. And if you've got to have a brain tumor, a pituitary brain tumor is the kind to have. And the surgery had been successful even as her stay in hospital turned out to be longer than anticipated, Ingrid was doing well. Her neurosurgeon concurred. And I recall her neurosurgeon being positively gleeful in delight as he reviewed her post-op MRI, which had been taken at the newly installed MRI machine at Peterborough Regional Health Centre. I remember him being positively gleeful. As for me, not so much. I still felt shaken, maybe even traumatized. I was looking for something more. Unrealistically, even embarrassingly, I was looking for a guarantee that what we had gone through we would not have to go through again i naively hoped that those months of intensity would never be repeated back to no cure for being human She writes, while I believe that there may be rich meaning at every crossroad in our lives, each meeting and departure, car accident or chance encounter, I do not believe that God will provide for every need or prevent every sorrow. From my hospital room i see no master plan to bring me to a higher level guarantee my growth or use my cancer to teach me good or bad i will not get what i deserve nothing will exempt me from the pain of being human today will be as ordinary as yesterday days and weeks working out the consequences of the moments that came before. We like to imagine that we are starring in an extended morality play where lessons are learned and the hero never dies. But in fact, we must make do with the fact that there will be weddings and funerals again this year. AND EVERYONE WILL SPEND MOST OF THEIR EVENINGS WATCHING NETFLIX. THIS IS A KIND OF FREEDOM. THE ONLY QUESTION IS HOW WE SHOULD LIVE UNDER THE BURDEN OF IT. And THEREIN LIES A the RUB, I THINK. It may even provide, if not a solution, at least the beginnings of an explanation for Advent hesitancy. Advent brings not so much a guarantee as it brings a burden, and not only a gift, but a challenge, an imperative even we are in and through these advent nights and days and in and through this season of promise we are welcomed into the burden the world view not just of a little baby but of a whole new world being born it will be neither easy nor straightforward. And as almost always seems to be the case for people of God, it will be a most holy, winding, and even circuitous road. As we seek to overcome our Advent hesitancy, along with all of our hopes and fears, I believe we can bring at least three things. First, we need to root ourselves in the Scripture story, such that the story takes root in our lives. And with each reading from Scripture and pray-tell each Advent sermon, we repeat the ancient tales of God's foolish ones. And we let the story have its way with us. So I invite us to take any Advent scripture and simply but powerfully read it again and again and again. And let it take hold as an alternative narrative for your life. Second thing is that Advent hope and promise almost always begins with loss, sometimes even destruction. We're familiar with the Advent verse from the prophet Isaiah, a shoot shall come out from the stalk of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. But just before that verse, Look. The sovereign, the Lord of hosts, will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The tallest trees will be cut down. The lofty will be brought low. And the Lord will hack down the thickets of the forest with an axe. And Lebanon, with its majestic trees, will fall. In other words, grief and loss come before resurrection. Come before hope and come before promise. And I wonder if that's part of what Walter Brueggemann has in mind when he says the world for which you have been so carefully been preparing, that world is being taken away from you by the grace of God. Finally, if we choose to be inoculated with Advent for us and for the world, overcoming at least temporarily our Advent hesitancy, let's remember to show compassion and mercy for all who for whatever reason are not quite ready to make that same leap of faith. Our natural inclination may be to attempt to continue as before to make do with band-aid solutions advent hesitancy is real without letting go of our discipleship calling that may well be part of leaving everything else to god and if not this advent There will be another one in less than 365 days. Advent 2022 begins on Sunday, November the 27th of next year. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalogue of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.